Hey, what's up, everybody? Isaac here, Civil Engineering Academy. Excited to be with you on another sweet podcast episode. Thank you for liking, sharing these, whatever you're doing to move the needle forward. We do appreciate it. Today, I have an awesome guest I bring on. He actually runs the site, The Engineering Mentor. So he gives a ton of advice to help engineers in their own life and in their career. He graduated as a mechanical engineer. He owns his own business now, helping with energy management for commercial properties. And really just a fascinating discussion on, you know, moving up the ladder as an engineer, but also owning a company and becoming an entrepreneur as well. So my guest today is Sol Rosenbaum. He is, again, the engineering mentor. We'll make sure we link that up in the show notes. Go check him out. But really fascinating conversation and one we want to share with you. And it's going to be coming up right after this. Hey, have you ever been in the market to start a website, whether it's for a e-commerce or for anything else going on you want to take online? Maybe it's that blog site you've wanted to do. Go check out civilengineeringacademy.com slash Namecheap. Namecheap is the go-to place where I get all of my domain names as well as website hosting. It's very affordable. They also have some sweet tools to help you with your journey, including some tools to help you create logos and everything else under the sun. So check them out at civilengineeringacademy.com slash Namecheap. You'll definitely be happy you did. I know I have. So check them out. CivilEngineeringAcademy.com slash Namecheap. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turned to? I turned to Audible and we have an affiliate with them. If you go to CivilEngineeringAcademy.com slash Audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. You can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link. You'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits. And if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep. But go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. All right, we are rocking and rolling. So thank you for joining me on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. This is fun to have you here. My pleasure. Glad to join you. This has been fun to, I mean, we had a little conversation before we even hit record on this thing, but you've definitely been on the podcast track. So hopefully we've introduced some new topics, hopefully to talk about, but definitely you've been out there talking to other people and that's been great. So I really like what you have going on. I always love to start these things, you know, talking about how you found yourself into engineering itself. Why was that the direction that you ended up going in your life? Right. Well, I think, you know, there are some people who have, you know, they look back and they're like, wow, okay, I used to love playing with Lego. I loved Star Wars. And they got into engineering in that path. I honestly, when I look back, I can't really pick one time because I was sort of your classic, you know, engineer where you were pretty good at math and science. I enjoyed it. My father was an engineer. I have a whole lot of other engineers in the family. And I just sort of flowed into it. And it's not one of those things that I honestly, I don't remember actually making a conscious decision. Like, okay, what do I want to do? What do I like to do? And while I did have a whole bunch of different ideas of what I would do in the engineering field, that, you know, some of them were totally way off base, but it was always within that engineering sort of sort of realm. What engineer is your dad? So he's in uh, more on the computer science side of things, which actually 
that, that was one of those classes I hated. <laughs> I took, a, I think it was C plus or something like that. I hated programming languages because I enjoyed the logic of it. So, okay, you kind of break it down, understanding sequence operations, understanding some of those if commands, the logic and whatnot. But then the frustration that came from like missing one little semicolon would just, just drove me nuts. And so I never got into the programming side of things at all or the hardware. That was the same. <laughs> <laughs> so you finished the, your degree, though. You did mechanical, yes. which is also a very challenging degree to get. So could you walk me through a little bit about maybe your work history so people know a little bit about what you've done in your, in your work? I got my, my bachelor's degree and actually went directly into my master's which is something, if anybody is considering, make sure you have a reason for taking it. Personally, as I look back, I happen to have been in a very good situation. I did not pay for it. I had a decent job on campus, so it was worthwhile, but I probably did not need it for my career. But whatever, it was a fun time, not a big deal. I actually went directly into energy efficiency projects, and my first firm, I thought they were more of an MEP HVAC design firm, I really didn't understand that all of their projects were within the realm of energy engineering. So they, yes, they were doing MEP design, but they were also doing it, you know, replacing a new system, replacing, you know, central plants so that in the, the overarching goal was to save energy. And I actually fell in love with that whole world of energy engineering. And in one way or another, I've been in that ever since, but about, it's probably about 14, 14, 15 years ago, I was already doing some of my own consulting still within that world. And I sort of found the uh, mortgage finance world, which is a weird place for an engineer to end up. But essentially the same way, you, you know, we're all familiar with home inspections. They do the same thing for commercial real estate. So I would get involved with the engineering review of some of those types of inspections. And then also continue to do a lot of the energy engineering work mainly tied to various green loan programs, or they wanted a certification to get them towards that goal. And so I'm still doing that. I have a small engineering firm, oversee those projects. And I sort of enjoy having one hand in the technical side of things, leading the engineering team, but then also working a lot on the business development, marketing, and like the business side of things. So it's a good mix of both sides. I feel like it's a unique area to go into. Are there certifications or anything that are tied to that? Like, you know, civil engineers, they end up getting LEED certified for energy efficient buildings. Is that something that you need to get? Or is there any certifications that are applicable to that arena? Well, I'll tell you, I think the, the two main certifications that I have are my PE license, my professional engineering license, which there have been times where certain projects, especially a lot of you, the municipality, projects where you had to have a professional engineer review it before it went in. There are also a lot of the due diligence projects, which is where my work falls within the mortgage finance industry, that they don't necessarily need a professional engineer to sign off, but they want a professional engineer or a registered architect to at least look at it. So it's not an official signature. It's more sort of their go-to and what they want out of it. The other certification that I often use and need is my CEM. It's the Certified Energy Manager, and that's from the Association of Energy Engineers. And so a lot of the energy projects, again, will require that. There are times where some LEED certification or some specific solar design certifications have been useful. 
So if I don't have them personally, I just make sure that somebody on my team has them so that if we need to sign off or we need to have someone on the team doing them, we're able to do that as well. Recover. Yeah. But there's no specific certification for due diligence. It's really building systems, engineering, general background that would get you into it initially. So you're running your own business. You've also started, why don't you talk about this, but you started a website called theengineeringmentor.com. What's that about? What was the inspiration behind that? I think the inspiration behind that was really the recognition that I had been getting all of that guidance, getting all the mentoring all along the way, and then finding out that that was not the norm for many people. The first company that I worked for in engineering was like this awesome company. I love them. It was pretty small overall. Or I should say the company was, was bigger. I don't know, maybe 200 people. But my branch, it was 30 people, mostly engineers. And they would just let you be involved in all parts of the project. You want to you know, see something over there? Go ahead. And it helped lead you in that direction. They'd help give you the support along the way. So I had a lot of people you know, putting their trust in me, but then being there if I needed some advice. I also mentioned you know, that my father was in engineering. So I had a lot of other people to turn to for general advice. And there's just so many things outside of the technical realm that have led to my successful career that I realize a lot of people aren't getting. And that's when I started the website, started a newsletter. And that was probably about you know seven, eight years ago I started that. But it's been more recent, probably about past three, four years, that I've been becoming a little bit more vocal on LinkedIn about this part of my work and trying to reach out to a lot of those younger engineers. That's awesome. You're also writing a book. We should talk about that a little bit too. What's behind that? Yeah, so that's something that honestly, I've been trying to do for a while and just pushing myself, trying to get everything down. Right now, I actually have, I'm involved with a membership group with a publishing house to try to kind of keep you on track, help you along. And they have a book proposal submission period. And this is sort of the only time they let, you know, us regular folks without agents submit something. And so I'm right. I think this week is when it is due. As I've said to everybody, I have no idea how many people submit to this. I have no idea what my chances of winning are. But as far as I'm concerned, actually forcing me to sit down and get this proposal, because this is the first time I had some table of contents or some general chapter ideas, but to really have to get it down, to have to give, you know, three, four paragraphs about like of a chapter abstract, like what are you going to talk about in this chapter? And what is the reader going to learn? And then realizing, okay, wait, that chapter repeats something from that chapter. And how can I put them in order? So regardless of what comes from this contest, and of course, I would love to win because it would sort of give me the support from that publishing house. But regardless, this has been a huge step in pushing me forward so that whatever the outcome is, I know that it'll go forward. And hopefully, you know, the goal is, for sure, by the end of 2023, to have it published. Is there any details you can share about it or is it got to wait? I can share details. It's a lot of the material that I share for younger engineers that's outside, like I said, outside of the technical realm, talking to them. Many of the things are soft skills, whether it's public speaking or writing, dealing with the need for networking. And then I also want to have sort of action steps. So that's not just a theoretical book where they look at it and go, oh, you know what? Saul's right. I should really start networking. But I want them to come to that realization, and then I give them actual tools and steps to take to go forward in that. One of the big topics, actually, that I sort of added after a recent workshop uh, earlier this year is sort of building off on toxic workplaces, how to deal with them, 
how to really get your voice heard, and then when to move on, how to make those decisions, those types of steps. To some people who have been in the industry longer, it can be obvious. Okay, I just do this, X, Y, and Z, and we're done. But it's something that it does take time. And if somebody could help you along the way and sort of give you some of those tools beforehand, give you some of that information beforehand, we can save them a little bit of heartache and really help them sort of find their path and develop a little bit quicker. That's awesome. What's the title of the book? That is not firmed up yet. I have my own little working title. I've been told by several people that that could change over time. I mean, the general crux of it is, you know, going beyond engineering school, understanding the skills that you need to help develop a successful career. It's going to be something within that. It might also include, you know, the engineering mentor, because that is, you know, sort of the website and the things that I, sort of the name that I go by on that site. But I don't know. (laughs) That is a good question. To be continued. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You know what? As somebody uh, said to me, they go, listen, it's good to have a general title and a subtitle as you're writing because it kind of keeps you focused. Like, is my material covering that topic? Is it leading the reader towards that end? However, there are plenty of times, and she said it's probably even most often, that that title changes. There's somebody on the publishing side that says, hey, I've seen this type of thing before. Let's just tweak it a little bit so you can make it a little bit more impactful. Whatever, I'm open to that. We'll make sure we can link that. We'll definitely link your website, show notes. But whenever that book comes out, you you need to come back and tell me so we can get that on there. Too. Absolutely. I look forward to it. I want to go back just a little bit on the, your work with energy and energy savings. But what are some of the, I guess, the challenges that you have encountered when trying to implement energy savings projects into, I guess, what you do? How do you address those? Really, the biggest problem usually comes down to money. There's the upfront cost that you have to deal with. And then it's, what is the ROI? Like, will this investment in an energy savings method, will that pay off in the long run? And so different companies, different investment firms are going to look at that differently. You know, there are conferences I went to. One of them was like, it was a sustainability conference. And it was just total mind blown there because the focus from that side of things was a much more of an environmental concern they were saying, oh, we have to do this. We have to you know, go forward just strictly for the good of what it brings. And I'm not arguing that it doesn't bring good things. I think there is benefit, you know, certainly to reducing energy just itself. But I just know that when it comes to my clients and the framework that I'm doing with them, if it's not saving money and you can't show them the economic case for it, they're not doing it. They are not going to go forward with it just because it sounds nice and this will help the world. Sometimes you wish, oh, they would just do it because of that. But at the end of the day, you know, would you do that with your own money? So it's like, I don't know that I would be so callous with that either. So, okay, I understand it. I think that's the case you have to build to make the project worthwhile. That's interesting. Are there any software tools that you use in that space? Or are you hand calcing stuff? It sounds like a lot of thermodynamics. I remember when I took thermodynamics, my instructor talked about lighting and he had to calculate the heat that was produced from light bulbs and they had to change out all their light bulbs to LEDs and things of that nature. Is there software that helps you determine some of this stuff or how much of this is you just using engineering and hand calculations to figure this out? Right. So there are some software programs. Um, what I use internally in our firm is it, it's all Excel spreadsheet based. So over time, I've added on new templates, tweaked them. So there's a lot of calculations in there behind them. 
that the engineers can go in and make some adjustments, but all the base calculations are in there. One of the software programs we do use a lot is uh, eQuest, and that's for building modeling. Depending on the program, you know, there's one specific one, the, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac green loan programs, where you have to save a certain amount, you know, the owner has to invest that money to on those projects, and then they can get a better loan rate. However, most of the time, we end up modeling the tenant usage for that because we don't get the bills from every tenant. Those types of things, you have to model the baseline, and then we apply the energy savings to that. So for the actual energy calculations, it's pretty much uh, putting it into the template that we already have within Excel, no specific programs out there that we use. And then I'm assuming you make recommendations for them to improve on things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, it kind of brings us back to understanding the client's needs, because a lot of times you have a program where, you know, you're like, okay, the ROI on this doesn't make sense. This is a 30-year payback. They're not going to do it. But if you understand, wait, what are they trying to do anyway? Or what type of renovations do they have already in store? It's possible that some of that will match up. So you don't want to jump to conclusions just on the ROI. There's one program that we work on. It's the uh, SBA 504 Green Loan. And one of the things that they do is they're comparing your existing usage to your future usage based on square foot. And so sometimes we'll start analyzing what they're doing. We'll say, okay, wait a second. You're already replacing all the windows. You're already replacing all the lighting. All we need to do is come in, analyze what they're using now, analyze what they're using after, and basically just prove the savings that they already have. The projects that they're doing anyway are already there. So it's just, you got to sort of play around with it and see what works for the client. It sounds like also that you've had, I mean, in addition to doing all this, you've been able to move up into manager roles or even director roles as a, I guess, a mentor. What challenges did you face moving into management? Really for any engineer that would move into management, do you feel like you lost any technical skills doing that and had to learn new skills? Or what challenges did you face moving into manager roles? I think it's a very important question because a lot of younger engineers have it in their mind that this is the automatic path that I want to take. I even remember one of my uh, coworkers at like that first job, and he, when he told me, like, he's like, "Now nah, I never want to be a manager," and I was sort of like, "Why? Of course, everybody wants to be a manager, and the money is, is sort of the problem because yeah, you move to it, but what a lot of younger engineers don't realize is that this is a different job that requires different skills." And I think you're right. You point out you know, about you know, what technical things you need to add and what do you lose. Now, I left that first job to take a uh, business development role. It was a district utility company. And what I loved so much about that role that I sort of have recreated now is that a lot of my day was business development, working with potential new clients, trying to help some of the financial side of it to see if our system could be a good option for them. And then also working with the engineering team to help, okay, now this client has chosen to use it with a steam system. They're converting over from their existing boilers. What do we need to design to help make that transition? So I enjoyed having them both. That side of it can be jarring. If you really love the engineering and you want to be involved in engineering all day long, as a manager, you will not be, <laughs> or very unlikely. Because the more you move up, then you're looking at the bigger picture of the project, the budget of the project, the manpower, the interpersonal uh, problems and what you're dealing with there. And so I love what I do, but I recognize that it's not just a glorified project engineer. It's a different role. And you need to realize that 
And it's actually, uh, now that you bring it up, it is something that I do cover in the book. Just so they understand that, and it's not a right or wrong. It's more of a, is this really where you want to move? Does it meet the goals that you're striving for? Yeah. And, you know, this isn't a warning to people, but, you know, it's just a different role that you will take. And people are fine with that. You know, you're more of a people person or you can tackle those kind of uh, soft skills a little bit or people skills and manage budgets a little more Then that's kind of the, the direction you end up going a little bit. And, you know, there's so many different paths engineers can go, but that's definitely one of them. I kind of want to ask you questions because you've started your own company now. What went into the thought process of doing that? What challenges did you face? And what would you do to encourage engineers to start an entrepreneurial journey starting a business? Right. So the first thing I would tell them is recognize that when you start your own business, yes, you have control over your projects. You can do whatever you want, which is often the drive that a lot of anybody outside the engineering world, why they start their own business. They're like, oh, I'm sick of my boss. I'm sick of their rules. I want my own projects. I want to be in control. You will be in control of that. That's, you know, if you own your own business. But you have to realize you're picking up this whole other side. You know, how are you getting those clients? How are you running your actual business? Because there are two sides. There's working on your business and in your business. The in your business is, okay, that's the engineering projects that you need in general. There's the on your business is making sure your business is actually running smoothly and that you have all of that figured out. And I'll tell you, one of the big mistakes I made, because I actually started this firm about 14 years ago. I did it for something like, trying to work back the math, about eight years. Then I left to work full-time for one of my clients when they, they approached me with an opening. And then I went back to this about three and a half years ago. One of the things that really drove me to go to that full-time position that really pulled me when they offered it to me was the fact that I was really getting completely burnt out. I did not do a good job of how do I scale? How do I bring in other people? And when you're that, that sole owner, you sort of look at it like, oh, somebody came with an extra project? Yeah, no problem. It's nine o'clock at night, but I can, I can still take that on. You take it on because you think, how can I possibly turn it down? And that's a problem. You can keep it as a one-man operation. That's fine. But you have to understand those limitations in yourself. So while I actually, I was making pretty good money and I was very happy overall. Once that other position came around, I was like, you know what? This is probably a good change for me to get away from it. When I came back to you know, running the firm now, this is when I actually have other engineers with me, other people that can deal with some of the work so that I can focus on, okay, how can we grow you know, in a more uh, methodical and focused manner instead of just you know, taking every project that comes, which was not a good thing for me at all. So what do you think prevents engineers from starting their own, I guess, firm or business? I know healthcare is typically a question that comes up. A lot of people stick with their employment because of benefits that they already have set up. But I guess in general, what do you think is prevents more people from starting their own companies? Well, I think healthcare is a big one, especially in the U.S. system where a lot of people are worried. And I think a lot of engineers are risk averse. I think there's definitely a subset you know, of engineers that don't want the business side of things. They're very happy having somebody else deal with that so that they can deal primarily with engineering work. There is a limitation as you're growing on what kind of projects you're going to work on. You know, if you enjoy those really big infrastructure projects, like as a civil engineer or as a mechanical engineer, you want to be designing you know, these huge central plant systems for an entire campus, 
it's possible you'll end up working on them, working as a subcontractor with somebody else. But especially at the beginning, you're not going to get those type of opportunities. The other thing I think you, got, you definitely have to be careful is jumping out too early because you do need to get some experience with the older engineers, with a variety of projects, just to really develop your skills, understand all the ins and outs, the variables, and how you sort of interact with other engineering disciplines. I think that is something that is very hard to develop once you are out on your own if you have not received that foundation initially. I definitely agree with you. Engineers are definitely risk adverse. So there's a lot of question marks there. And a lot of engineers don't, you know, they want to take that on. They're happy with their job, what they're doing. And maybe they maybe they can do something else on the side of what they're doing. Maybe that's more of an option for people. I'm a huge fan of the of becoming an entrepreneur, whether it's a side hustle or your main hustle. I think it's a good thing to do. But um, a lot of, I guess, moving pieces there. So appreciate the advice that you have on this topic. Has there been any favorite particular projects you've personally worked on in your career? You know, I think some of those first projects were actually the most fun because there was one down in uh, Quantico, Virginia. It was a marine base. And we just got to climb around mechanical rooms one day. You start doing some design the next day. I was also involved with, we were running the gas piping as well. So running new gas piping. So I had to go to all these different buildings. And it's those types of projects where you have such a varied type of building, varied systems and everything. I think that's where I sort of learned the most. And then tied to that, there was another project I remember, it was probably like two years later, that my company actually sent me down to some military bases in New Orleans. And it was the first time that I was the one guy there myself. Yes, we had some subcontractors down there doing the building. And I could always call back up to the office if I had an issue. But to me, that was something like, oh my God, I sort of made it to the next level that they trust me down there to basically do it myself. I just sort of felt you know, like, wow, okay, this is a, a significant step in my development. They would even ask me, like, hey, could you do this? Because it was a bit crazy. I was there every other week for seven months. In the end of the day, I loved it. I think it really helped me out a lot to see new things and develop my skills. Definitely memorable moments when those things kind of happen in your life. So that's awesome. Well, this has been really fun. I appreciate all the advice you've shared, especially ranging from what you do in the energy world to an entrepreneur. So appreciate you doing this. What's the best way for our audience to connect with you? Well, certainly for the younger engineers, we have spoken about my mentoring work. They can reach me on my website. It's theengineeringmentor.com or they can certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn. I am fairly active there. I'm always open to connecting with anybody in the broader engineering world in general. But then honestly, I have a pretty open door policy when it comes to networking, as you really never know where somebody can provide some useful information or really just help you along your path. Very true. Very true. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate all the advice and uh, hopefully we'll chat in the future. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. See ya. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. 
Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.